Hey everybody, welcome back to the PC Perspective Podcast. We are at episode 669. This is being recorded on Wednesday, March 23, 2022. I'm Sebastian Peake. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Kent Burgess. That's right. PC Per's Iron Man for the last two years or so. Brett is not with us tonight. He's traveling He's for working. work. Yeah, supposedly. I don't know what that really means, but he somehow couldn't find it in his schedule to join us tonight. Something about time zones. It's complicated. Anyway, uh, we're just gonna we're gonna make do. Kent is filling in. I've shifted the squares around, which is probably gonna be confusing to people, but we're just gonna go with it. Unless Brett joins us later, in which case I'll switch to some awkward like five up view, and uh, we'll just we'll see what happens. I will cover Patreon. We have a couple new people since last week. I'll shout out to Brian because he's still on our list of uh, new people. So thank you, Brian, again. Uh, MLB uh, has joined the PC Per community. Thank you. And speaking of MLB, uh, there is actually going to be a season this year. If the, I don't know if that's your namesake or if those are your initials, what's going on. I was excited about the uh, lockout ending. But Shampoo Time has a special request. Uh, apparently they're from Australia. They wanted me to say, or us to say, good day from Australia in the worst Aussie accent you can. His words. That was pretty bad, so. Good day! I could have read this entire segment in that voice. I don't really know how to do an Australian accent, and if I attempt to, it probably sounds like a New Zealand accent. I think Americans are just bad at it. But anyone who wants to take a stab at it. Good day from Australia! I'm from Adelaide. We've reached the point in our show where we go to Laramie, Wyoming, so that Josh can talk about food. Take it away. I can talk about what? Food. Dead cows. You know, I, I, you know, of course, uh, last week was, uh, and I missed it, on diners, drive-ins, and dives, they, they featured Born in a Barn. And uh, apparently they had the popper and uh, some barn shows, which are... Um, they're, they're handmade, uh, potato chips in kind of a nachos type thing. But anyway, you, you really have to try it. It's quite, quite good. Um, and so I tried calling them today to make an order and, and nobody, nobody ever answered. And so I had to go to the other place, Mr. Bill's. And when I went up there, I, I kept expecting to hear the, Oh no, but no, it, it was not <clears throat> there. Uh, but anyway, I, I got I got their their spicy guac burger again, and it was even better than last time. I mean those 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 fresh cut jalapenos. I mean that green just pops out at you. And the guac is good, and it's got bacon, onions, a little bit of lettuce. It's just just a fantastic, nicely prepared, clean burger, and a good bun and good old slab of meat so yeah born in the barn sorry i I would have had i would have would have maybe they're just slammed now after being on that show but who knows gtc is going on and of course nvidia had a lot to say amd announcements we have all of that stuff on our list let's let's go over some of the nvidia stuff shall we hopper it's the new architecture and look at the look at virtual Jensen here. I'm Does he have sure a bottom? I don't know. 
It's it's hard. Yeah, to he walks. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. He walks around. It was just too good not to grab. So, uh, man, there's so much stuff. But essentially, we have a new architecture. There's a new, uh, you know, data center accelerator. A massive, massive chip. The H100 is 80 billion transistors. It's like 814 millimeters square. It's it's large. <laughs> yeah. Approaching reticle limit, obviously, at that yeah. size. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? Somehow they are able to not only yield those, but get the bins that they want. And I think that's, that is a tremendous amount of engineering to be able to do that, both on the design side and the manufacturing side. I mean, they, they are kind of printing their own money there in that these chips and the resulting products they go into are very, very expensive. Like, easily, you know, they, they, they sell that, sold that cube a while back for like $800,000. And so these things are, you know, easily twelve, fifteen thousand $15,000 a piece just for one of those chips. And they are fast enough and have enough of a work uh, performance that it is worth it for a lot of these companies where time is of the essence and being able to crunch that many numbers makes it worth every penny. And uh, as things like a 600 watt product, which you got to have not only a lot of cooling, but you know, pretty hefty, hefty, uh, hefty bit in there. And uh, what, what is it uh, comes with uh, they're, they're bundling with the grace processor. It's a arm uh, derived CPU and it's got specific, um, uh, GPU to GPU connectivity. So yeah, it's 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 insane. Uh, you know the the Grace CPU to super chip, 144 cores, one terabyte per second memory. That's more than Apple. Good gracious! <laughs> Look at all those chips ran in those those damn things. Um, and they got you know two of those sitting together. I mean, it's just it's just insane the amount of compute. Um, it's just it's nuts what they're doing. I mean, they're you know, they went after ARM hard. They got the, the smackdown until they finally couldn't really, you know, obviously afford it. But, uh, well, not afford it, but, they, you know, government smacked it down and they couldn't, they couldn't go through with it. And uh, still doesn't mean they're not going to use their products. And so they're making these massive chips on ARM technology. And Hopper H100 is just a massive, massive compute. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, it's, it's, leading into what we're going to see this fall or late summer. But I'm, I'm guessing September, October timeframe, you know, right mm. in between Q3, Q4. Um, yeah, we'll find more out about it as uh, time goes on. I'm not sure exactly when these chips will be available, but uh, looks like, you know, late summer probably for a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, they're, they're staying at the forefront of uh, general compute. And we're talking CPUs and GPUs. And um, there's a reason why they're making how much now a quarter? Seven billion? Six billion a quarter? Seven billion? Yeah. Yeah, they're selling a lot of of products. But the good thing is um, they did announce, or somebody did, that they're lowering the price on their GPU bundles, which typically they bundle in GPUs and the associated memory with it. 
and they're lowering the prices on those. And that's going to pass on to the add-in board partners and then eventually consumers. So not only are we starting to see products available, uh, but they're going to see more significant price cuts in the, in the future. So I'd say by June, you will have the pick of whatever card you want at pretty reasonable prices, or at least close to what we consider MSRP. Now, the yeah. other, the weird one about GTC was that they were talking about CU Quantum. So that they're claiming that you'll be able to simulate a quantum computer on this new A100, or so H100. And so that, I don't, they're very, very different beasts. And so NVIDIA does have one, the NVQ++. Like, they, they actually do have a quantum computer. So, I mean, perhaps it's interfacing with it in some way or something, but it just served the home sort of caught that and said, you know, this sounds very interesting, but how, how, how do you do this exactly? So I'm kind of curious to see if we get any more information on that. You leverage the power. Yeah, of but the it's only like, you know, one sixtieth the performance of a quantum computer. So it, you know, it, it, uh, it covers all States, uh, but at a much, much slower, slower rate. <laughs> Eventually. I yeah, can do the work of a, of a quantum computer on my Pentium yeah. 100. It just will take me several decades. Yeah. It's the yeah. equivalent of like a 1X burner. Yeah. Yeah. It'll get the job done eventually unless you lose power. I have to start over. But of course, you know, everything I'm hearing, quantum computers are, are kind of like the, the Kenwood, uh, you know, 7 laser. Oh, yeah. man. What was that like? They don't quite 60X, work 80X as advertised. Yeah, oh, but yeah. they don't quite work the way you want them to. <laughs> Look, just more lasers, more lasers burning more, more tracks at the same and time. Some kind of buffer to, to kind of make sure everything comes in order eventually. Yeah. Let's pause here for a word from our first podcast sponsor this week. Hey, have you heard of Collide yet? Collide sends employees important, timely, and relevant security recommendations for their Linux, Mac, or Windows devices right inside Slack. And if you're like many organizations, you know you can reach your employees on Slack. Collide is perfect for organizations that care deeply about compliance and security, but don't want to get there by locking down devices to the point where they become unusable. Instead of frustrating your employees, Collide educates them about security and device management while directing them to fix important issues. Visit collide.com slash PC per to check this out and sign up today. That's K O L I D E dot com slash PC per. Use your email and get a free Collide gift bundle after trial activation. At Collide, we know that end users are IT admins most significant untapped resource and their key to solving the most challenging to fix security issues, including instructing developers to set passphrases on unencrypted SSH keys, finding plain text two factor backup codes, and teaching end users how to store them securely, and convincing employees to uninstall those e evil browser extensions that may even sell their browser history. These are just some of the many use cases not solved by locking down devices. You can try Collide with all of its features on an unlimited number of devices for free for 14 days with no credit card required. Try it out at collide.com slash PCPer. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash PCPer. We're back and we have to talk about AMD because AMD was at GTC as well and they were talking about, uh, we'd previously gotten news on uh, the spring graphics update. So I guess we should talk about that first if we're going chronologically. Because announced back on the 17th was FSR 2.0, which is coming soon. It wasn't being released immediately, but Radeon Super Resolution was finally being released. And we heard about that back in December, and now it's out. So RSR. 
but FSR is not going to be available until Q2. And of course, here's the ever helpful still image to show you the difference in quality of a moving image with various scaling technologies. Very helpfully, there is a chart, because I know that these two sound similar, FSR, RSR, Radeon Super Resolution versus Fidelity FX Super Resolution. One is in driver, that's Radeon Super Resolution, and one is in game. So RSR will work with anything because it's in driver. And for Fidelity FX, you need games to support it. And basically the platform support is is going to be the other big thing. So you need Radeon RX 5000 series graphics for newer, so RDNA with RSR. And with Fidelity FX, you can use AMD, NVIDIA, Intel, or whatever. Uh, as long as, you know, it's, it's game level support. So I like how they list under quality good for RSR and better than RSR. <laughs> FSR. So you want the FSR, but if they don't support it in your game, then you can at least fall back to the RSR. So it's a, it's a little confusing that they have two separate technologies, but you know what? Uh, there's a lot of support out there, obviously. And speaking of support, this was a sort of a related thing here. Out of GTC has come a tweet from the Radeon account. I saw this earlier. That Fidelity FX Super Resolution will be fully supported on Xbox. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So apparently it's very easy to implement and will be available on what has been. I don't know about easy to implement, but it, it, when you've got a, uh, you know, when you got a closed environment like Xbox, um, it's probably easier to do than on the PC and with the games for it. So, yeah, dev kits. Gotta love them. Microsoft has been really open about trying to make the Xbox a PC in a way, um, as far as gaming goes. I tell you, it's, allowed... it's one of the best media players out there. <laughs> yeah. That's 99% of what I use my new Xbox for is HDR, 4K video, 4K Blu-ray, streaming constantly. It's, it's, and the apps are surprisingly good for it. I don't know how we've gotten off on you know, being nice to Xbox, but <clears throat> it, hey, look, yeah. it's a PC. It's, all, it's a PC. It's all based on Ryzen and, and RDNA too. Exactly. It's x86, yeah. baby. And, and interestingly, during the, the depths of the darkness that was the silicon shortage, while Xboxes were still hard to get, they were not as hard to get as PS5s. True. Um, which, uh, oddly enough, made people want PS5s even more, but um, people could get Xboxes a little more readily um, than they could get PS5s. And a lot of people ended up with Xboxes and when they couldn't build a gaming computer. And uh, it's interesting because just the graphics card shortage almost shot PC gaming in the foot. Because people were ticked that they couldn't build their new gaming PC, and so they went back to consoles for the first time for a lot of people in years. Let's move on to more more GTC stuff, of course, from AMD. Uh, let's look at their Super Resolution 2.0 preview. If 
featuring Deathloop, which we'd seen still images for, but now you can see it in motion. Or actually, we're just watching slides. We're watching slides, um, text that's like slowly expanding, uh, a still image. So is this with FSR on or no? Yeah, apparently this is with FSR on. Can I advance? Okay, here we go. Here we go. There you go. Actual gameplay. We're looking at 1.0 versus 2.0 versus native 4K. Uh, that is so unhelpful. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if you actually saw it in 4K, you know, right. on your screen, you'd notice Without the YouTube but... compression. Yes, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Someone put up uh, pictures that you can uh, slide through. Yeah, that would that's that's what we need. So it's. Uh, but of course, on our stream, you're not gonna notice a difference. No, go to AMD's uh, community page. There's a blog post today, nine hours ago, called FX Super Resolution 2.0 GDC 2022 announcements," and you can look at the uh, video there. It's a YouTube video, though. It's just embedded. But here's something interesting. They have the chart that shows the scale factors, so input and output resolutions with FSR 2.0 in the different quality modes, which are quality, balance, and performance. So you have the quality mode, which is a scale factor of 1.5x per dimension for a 2.25x area scale, and 67% screen resolution is your output. So if you input 1280 by 720, the output is 1920 by 1080 for example, which means an output of 4K is actually just 2560 by 1440. And that's the quality mode. And if you go all the way down to performance mode, it is 2X. So you're literally doing one half. Uh, internal resolution, so 1920 by 1080 internal gets output as 4K, or really UHD 3840 by 2160. The support for Fidelity FX Super is not limited the way that RSR is. So the AMD graphics card support listed goes all the way back to the RX 590. Sorry, 580 owners. Apparently that's not supported. <laughs> and NVIDIA graphics cards uh, are supported starting with, it looks like the lowest one on here is a GTX 1070 and above. So GTX 16 series, all the 10 series cards above the 1070, 20 and 30 series cards. And as we mentioned earlier, Support for FSR 2.0 on Xbox. I'm starting Gosh, with Death Vega of course. Running 1440p with yeah. FSR 2.0. That's that's kind of cool. That's like the new, most popular monitor being sold now. Yes. Finally, we've gotten off of 1080p. Yeah. Yeah. That is so common. It's so easy to get a good quality 1440 monitor. Mm-hmm. That runs at 144 and above. Yeah, right. Less yeah. than 300 bucks. I picked up a uh, a gigabyte, uh, 1440, 165 hertz monitor for my wife when uh, her monitor died at my hands about two weeks ago, and uh, it was cheap and it's a great monitor. What do you mean died at your hands? Did you have a, um, a rage I was, moment? Uh, uh, no, no. Uh, the uh, when I when I removed the DisplayPort cable from it, apparent when I was moving it, uh, apparently I broke the socket, the DisplayPort socket, in the motherboard. Oh, Ooh. nice. 
or in, mm. not in the motherboard, in the uh, yeah, you got to press the button for to, to get I, the oh, little things out. Oh, I know. You don't have yeah. to. My wife did that she once, would. I think, and just wouldn't come out. And so I pulled really hard, and more than you I wanted came out. Yeah. <laughs> Sebastian's well, you know, if, fighting if you the tug, same urge you, I am right now. If you tug hard <laughs> enough, something will eventually come out. But that's another story. And we have to talk about the most exciting news of the week. I know GTC was going on, but Intel. And it's not even a graphic story. Intel ATX PSU specifications. The new PSU specifications are here. Reading from Intel's press release here. Intel has published the most significant update to industry power supply specifications since the initial ATX 2.0 specs in 2003. Now, you can unlock the full power, emphasis on power here, and potential of next-gen hardware and um, upcoming components built for technologies like PCIe Gen 5. I wonder what those upcoming components might be. That would require mm. massive overhaul to PCI Express power delivery. This new connector, by the way, the 12VH PWR, I don't know how that'll be pronounced, 12 volt high power, can it provides up to 600 watts directly to any PCIe 5 add-in slash graphics card. Hmm. Woof. Now, the only question is going to be with upcoming products in the RTX... 40 series, will they require one or two 12 VHP WR connections? That's what I want to know. And is it the same connector? If it's a 12 pin connector, is that the same one that NVIDIA already had? So they were just ahead of the um, the curve there? Curve. Or will, and will those adapters support that much power delivery? Like, what, what two 8 pins? Well, for a certain two, amount of time, two. yes. You know, two eight pins go into that 12 pin, so that might be the 12 pin that they're using. I don't know. An eight yeah, pin three, is 375 watts, is the max for two eight pins. So it's 150, 150, and 75 from the slot. I thought 150 was from the six pin. It, that's from the eight pin? Hmm. Uh, 75 for a single pin. So you know, for the six pin. Eight pin is 150. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, of course I'm right. <laughs> what are we going to do? Okay, are you saying, Josh, are you telling me? Yeah. If we yeah. get a 600-watt graphics card and don't have a new power supply, I have to connect four 8-pin connectors to some kind of octopus-looking thing that will then go into the graphics card's 12-pin input. Rip well, power supply. I wonder supply. if those will ship with a four 8-pin to one 12-pin adapter. Or if it's just going to be one of those things where Newegg will just bundle some gas. I have no idea. Power supply. No idea. But you know what? I don't think consumer graphics cards is going to be hitting 600 anytime soon. 300 to so. 400? Yes. 600? You've got a lot of infrastructure you got to bake in before you're doing something like that. And people are going to be screaming. I've got a gaming PC. PC. And it's pulling a thousand watts from the wall. One thousand watts continuously while gaming. That's, I mean, you know, we were talking about how, you know, running an overclock 6800 XT 
was hitting 550 watts at the wall with mm. you know a reasonable gaming CPU. That would reasonable saying like you know a Ryzen 5 5600X. Of course, it's going to be more than that with the latest Intel processors, which can pull 250 watts at any one time that they feel like it. So, yeah, you're you're still looking at, at 600 watts, 650, uh, with really the highest end with overclock graphics at the wall, and now you're you're looking at just graphics cards pulling 600. That's that's just I, I don't know how they're going to be able to pull that off with. With consumers and people saying, you know, we need more energy efficient. I don't know. I could be totally wrong here. I think it's going to gradually may get up to get close to that point. But I don't think off the bat we're going to see 600 watt TDP products. And that's just TDP, obviously. But, I mean, it's still going to be pulling around that kind of power. Yeah. Well, once the server room gets used to it, maybe I can see it start to creep up. But. Even the server rooms are like, yeah, what? I'm sorry, 700 watts on that H100? That's a little bit uh, expensive over the course of a year. Yeah. And I mean, you're going to be, they're going to be trying to stick these in 2U chassis. Yeah. And your power supplies are already limited as well for, you know, how small those things are. I mean, those 1400 watt, um, gosh, what are they? How much are those? Are Super dense, super expensive, and I think they're they're not fourteen hundred less. Yeah, but I mean, you're you're still looking, you know, seven hundred fifty watts per. Power. There's an H one hundred, and the rest of it is cooling. Yeah, in the two U rack mounts, <laughs> and I yep. wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> Al points out there is a limit to air cooling. Yes, that's going to be the other thing. Are there, is it is this going to be the first generation of Nvidia graphics cards that shipped with a standard liquid cooling solution? I mean, if they went that high, how are you going to cool that within? You know, the H one hundreds when they will hit, they will be in fully custom liquid cooled. Oh God, yeah, chassis. So it's it's just. Yeah, it's it's inevitable. If you're going to be buying these monster machines, they're it's going to have to be liquid cooled. You can't you just you can't have a two U rack with two six hundred watt TDP GPUs in there crunching away without that. That it, it just it doesn't make it. It won't work unless Maybe you've got. Six hundred cubic feet of air going through them a minute, you know. Right. Yeah. Put a couple yeah. of Delta fans on it. This could be the beginning yeah. of a four-slot graphics card. This, <laughs> this is where we've. This is where we. It's are. only three point eight nine. It's not technically four. Yeah, it'll look like two Noctua <laughs> D15s on it. Well, it just we're massive. already seeing motherboards that have a PCI power connector on the motherboard to provide additional power to your <laughs> PCI express slot. Yeah. <laughs> Just so, so it can run above spec. Oh. So it can run above spec. Yes. Great. And that's All the right. deal with like the, the Kingpin board and the Kingpin cards. Uh, you know, the, the world records they're setting with those are, they're using a, 
the the PCI slot to provide power above and beyond the three eight pins on the card. And um, I, I want to say they're doing 600 watts on those. Uh, some of them, I think, can peak close to that anyways. From a recall of a review from many, many years ago. Uh, uh, who was it? Somebody in YouTube said... It was Allegan. For consumers, I don't think you can sell water cooling cards only. May I introduce you to the AMD R9 Fury X, which was a liquid-cooled card. The only air-cooled variant of this was the smaller Nano. Uh, Nano. Yeah, which you barely and ever if saw. If you got a Fury X from any of the partners and from AMD directly, it had a 120-millimeter all-in-one liquid cooler connected to it. And it was only six hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, boy, that seems like a deal today, doesn't it? <laughs> six hundred fifty dollars. I could buy a high-end graphics card and one of the fastest ones out there, and it's liquid cooled. It's only six hundred fifty dollars. Wow. I'm going you know, back I, to 2018, where everything was green, and fresh, crisp. Let's pause again for a word from our second podcast sponsor this week. All right, fellow software engineers and on-call operation staff. It's like 9 p.m. and you're finally unwinding from work. Your phone buzzes with an alert. Something's in an alarm. Your mind is already racing at what could be wrong. Server-side or front-end problem? Slow DB queries? Global outage? Or did I introduce a bug in the last deployment? Now the whole team is probably scrambling from tool to tool and messaging different people trying to find and fix the issue. That just won't happen if you get New Relic. New Relic combines 16 different monitor products that you'd normally buy separately so that software engineering teams can see across their entire stack in one place. More importantly, you can pinpoint issues down to the line of code so you know exactly where the problem happened and begin to resolve it quickly. Dev and op teams from DoorDash, GitHub, and Epic Games, and more than 14,000 other companies are using New Relic to debug and improve their software right now. If you're a cloud-native startup or a Fortune 500 company, you can set up New Relic in your environment in just a few minutes. The next 9 p.m. call is just waiting to happen. Get New Relic before it does, and you can get access to the whole New Relic platform with 100 gigabyte of data free forever. No credit card required. Just sign up at newrelic.com slash pcper. That's N-E-W-R-E-L-I-C dot com slash pcper. Get more information at newrelic.com slash pcper. Let's move to our review of the week. And it comes from Jeremy, resident Canadian, who's been having some fun with a uh, somewhat unique display technology, at least compared to what we're used to. You mean indium gallium zinc oxide? Is that what it stands for? I've never. Uh... That's what ISGO stands for, and ISGO is good. I'm impressed because there's two really nice things about it. One is that ISGO you usually find on OLED, uh, so you're paying a freaking arm and a leg to try and get a hold of it, and they don't really emphasize the gaming so much. Well, you might have seen that Monoprice has put one of these uh, dark, one of their dark matter series. Is a 27-inch ISGO display. And while well, I've seen a lot of people posting about it and saying, hey, for 350 bucks, getting a hold of an ISGO TFT is uh, interesting. But as far as I know, no one's actually touched it before me. And I've frankly kind of enjoyed it. There's some uh, there's some environmental reasons to like it too. Like honestly, it ISGO can be deposited via sintering and other ways that are much less nasty than your normal TFT. 
And because of the way it's designed, uh, it can be on a very much on a thinner and more translucent uh, substrate. So it doesn't need anywhere near as much power to reach the same amount of brightness as your equivalent uh, TFT or VA or IPS panel. You get the benefits of TFT. So you get a one millisecond response rate. And this is a Samsung panel, um, which is actually rated for 160 hertz tops, but they've overclocked it to 180 hertz. And it's adaptive sync. So it doesn't give it, does not care what graphics card you're using, if it can keep, if it's capable of doing it. Or sorry, it's a Sharp model, not a Sony. Okay, I was going to uh, say, I didn't think that Samsung made these, but yeah. No, it, it's, it's one of them. LQ270T1JG06. Which you can find if you Google it. And it's yeah. a nice 10 bit that, as far as I can tell, is 10 bit. Hmm. Hooked up to a dock. Uh, it can only manage 144 hertz and 8 bit. So it's usually when they're doing the 8 plus 2. You can sort of fiddle with the lower ends and get it to try and pretend. But then again, I've got no real way of telling you exactly whether or not it is a absolute true 10 bit, but according to the manufacturer, it is. Wait, uh, what, what, why is it connected to a dock and not your, uh, because I'm using it for work. work. Oh, no, that's a good idea. I, yeah, they no, sent no. it to me to review. So I did game with it, but then the other thing was, I mean, Hey, high refresh rate, a uh, nice, nice pixel density, uh, decent brightness, and it does work on spreadsheets very well. And because of the high refresh rate, it doesn't do that Excel thing that you're probably used to. Uh, it's they've obviously done a lot of cutting to be able to get this at a three hundred and fifty dollar price point. And I mean, the, the two major things are that the stand is a solid piece of metal that you screw together. Uh, it doesn't have any adjustments on it whatsoever however they do ship it with a uh, visa uh, kit so that you can instead of applying their uh, metal uh, stand to it you can just put it on an, on an arm mount and to be honest monitor arms are inexpensive and significantly better than even your high-end gaming monitor uh, stands that they ship with nowadays the other funky thing and if you on the bottom left there sebastian the back of the monitor if you click on that one, do you see there's a little tiny button off to the left there? That That's the menu button, screen. huh? That's the menu button as it is, and the oh, power no. button as well. <laughs> so you push it in, and the problem is that because of where it's situated, you so want to use your thumb on the front of the screen to pinch, and, well, don't touch your screens. It's okay. not good for them, but. It, I mean, it didn't hurt. It was just an obvious, ah, so you push it on or it toggles, uh, four directionally up, right, up, left, right, and down. Oh, it's a joystick. Okay. I kind of, and it's very loose, but you know, when mm. I first got it and I'm like, okay, I, I despise this thing. It, yes, I understand you've got to cut costs. And so a whole bunch of buttons on the bottom is not great or a nice little joystick or anything. But as I got used to it. Uh, it's it's very nice, and the first time that you tap it, all it does is bring up on your bottom right hand side of the screen the actual shortcuts for the OSD. Menu. Yeah, yeah, and so well, just there's not quite the menu, but just the shortcuts. So if you go right again, then you get your full menu. Um, if you go down, you can toggle between the various modes that it's got: uh, RGB, movie, uh, eco-friendly, standard, yada yada. If you go off to the left. 
you then get to be able to uh, flip through. Uh, which sorry, I got to remember this one. Wow, that's uh, a serious menu for. for uh, a once you get in the menu, it's huge. Yeah. Uh, and then right is a little crosshair that you can immediately get rid of. But once you get into it, it's actually very easy to navigate with this little tiny uh, joystick on the back of it. And I suddenly went from, you know, I absolutely hate this thing to, you know what? That was actually a really decent idea of doing. And uh, it's got all the settings. Yeah, I've, got a, I've got a Samsung 27 inch that has that same thing where the, the little button in the back and you have up and down, it does the four corners. Uh, well, not four corners, but the, the cross. Yeah. And yeah, it took a little getting used to, but once you did, it's like, this is so e- much easier than fiddling with four buttons tap, that, tap, tap, you know, tap, once, tap, tap. you know, get the menu, once enter, one's up and down. And then you, you keep forgetting oh, which like one. The- yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. It's so much better than the four. It's not even funny. Yeah, no, so I, as I say, I started out hating it. I ended up saying, you know what? This is actually brilliant. And well, it could be a little bit more tactilely nice. I mean, honestly, for what I'm getting, this is a brilliant way to cut costs down compared to some others. And I mean, as far as uh, the color gamuts went, uh, I was, it, it blew the Dell uh, that I use uh, all the time. It's it's ninety two percent of NTSC, ninety four of P three. There's there's been a few monitors released recently that don't even really do P three at all. Like they don't admit it exists. And hundred sRGB and ninety six of Adobe RGB. And in theory, I could have actually gotten that a little bit better if I looked through the settings and stuff because I did try. You know, okay, what happens if I recalibrate it set to the uh, Adobe sRGB preset? Yeah, don't do that. It wasn't great. Uh, I then attempted, and audio listeners, uh, you're going to get about as much out of this as the video, trying to get a macro picture of just the difference. So the top that you're looking at is the Dell. The bottom is the Monoprice. These were both calibrated with the exact same uh, spider or data color spider. So they've both been set to the same brightness point. But because the ISGO is just able to do more smooth brightness because it doesn't have to penetrate uh, through the, the vertical alignment, it's just thin film transistor, it does look brighter. Uh, the pixels do look, you know, a little bit less pronounced. Although, mind less you, we're screen inch versus, yeah, 32 inches versus 27. This, but this like, color even still, doors, though. I wonder what yes, the actual is. pixel, the sub-pixel um, pattern is for this, because it does not look like RGB stripe based on this. It's not, uh, and I could uh, not. I'm still going to fiddle around and see if I can figure out how to get it, but the uh, A71 that I'm using is just not yeah. capturing pixel at that point. I might. Be, I was trying to figure out, like, a can I get one of those little uh, jeweler's loops plus the camera and or just a drop of water? And see if for, I can get it. I'm for working on video, it. you're not going to see it, but text clarity, I it's hard to beat. Yes, RGB stripe IPS anyway. But well, that's the thing. But honestly, it unless you're actually up close, you're not really seeing it. Uh, you've got to be in there with a macro and that close. I like using Excel. If it was obvious, it would drive you absolutely and completely batty. It's not really there. 
and the the color depth and everything is just freaking gorgeous. They like Red Dead Redemption, the the, the difference in in the co- high contrast areas where you're going from a dark shadow to a a bright area, and of course, you know you've got to represent it on your own monitor, and so you lose a little bit of it. But it's it was quite noticeably different than the Dell. And I also tried to capture a little bit of the uh, motion, which again, I mean, doing a monitor review is hard because how do I show you what a monitor looks like when you're looking at it on a totally different monitor? Different monitor, yeah. With, you know, compression and the fact that I'm taking a picture so that it's a little different. And so this is like the worst of the worst possible test because Warhammer 3 is not optimized for anything at this point. Uh, but like if you go zoom through it and you, you pause it, you'll see a little bit of the text jumping, but it's never enough that you really catch it unless you're bouncing around pausing it. And I'd even scrolled through the actual review and uh, just so you could sort of see that it's, it's keeping up. You, you're not getting the tearing that you would on some of the other machines, which is kind of nice. I'm certainly enjoying it. So overall, I mean, could you pick up a 1440p 27 inch monitor for less than this? Hell yeah. You get it with 165 hertz. Uh, you'd pay two to $250 for it. And I mean, if that's what you want is super high refresh rates and, you know, decent uh, response rate and not spend a lot of money, then, you know, I can't really push this mono price at you. If on the other hand, you're looking at mixed usage between I want good color representation. When I play a game, I actually do stop and smell the daisies and take a look around and I do a bit of actual work on it. And I just like a really high end display that doesn't really bug your eyes or doesn't do anything like I, it's just, yeah, it's sort of hard to say that, you know, overall I would say, yeah, this thing is bloody well worth an extra hundred dollars on top of a, a normal 27 inch it's it's not going to be if all you're doing is looking for the fastest monitor on the planet it's because the difference between 165 and 180 you're not going to really notice the one millisecond can be res- done on just about any other type of display but if you are looking for a little bit more color and if you spend a stupid amount of time staring at a monitor while you're working yeah mono price kind of did a good thing here and i hope that this is the tip of the iceberg and that, well, they're the first to market that we're going to start seeing a lot more of these out there. Well, Jeremy, you have, uh, you've done it because you are one of the first to look at one of these things. The questions have been pouring in while you were talking. What is the display port, uh, revision? Is it possible that, that, uh, color banding was possibly caused by, um, compression because it wasn't well, 444? Is it using 422? Uh, yes. Uh, what's contrast compared to like a VA panel? And I'm sure it's better. I've, I have had Higzo in-house before in a Dell laptop and it was nearly OLED type of contrast, not quite infinite contrast, but they're very, very contrasty panels. Yeah. No. And it's clean too. Like you're not getting blurs on the edge of a, a dark to white to light spot. It's, it's actually very clean. Yeah. The, the, which is the, very nice. It's, Viewing angle is better than VA, where VA, uh, yeah, it's like twenty degrees it's, until you start to have color. Uh, but one seventy eight, but I, yeah. they claim one seventy eight. I would say not quite that much before you're getting a color shift, but getting off 
90, 100 degrees. Not a problem. Uh, it's DisplayPort 1.4a uh, and HDMI 2.0. It will also do USB-C. Uh, there's a, a toggle to enable USB-C to be an input. Uh, if you don't, it can be used as a charging port. I see that it says it's adapt. It's adaptive sync capable. Does it? Uh, it I assume that's free sync. Does uh, Does your NVIDIA card recognize it? And yes. Let you set so G-Sync. Yeah. So the 1080 had no problems with it. the 6800. Had no problems with it. Nice. Uh, the LD6000 will push it to 144 hertz. Although I don't think it's very adaptive sync capable. <laughs> But yeah, I didn't mind either of the, my machines. I was happy with the GCT, uh, GTX 1080 and with the RX 6800. And it's a matte finish for anyone that's curious. Uh, it's an interesting matte finish because you can sort of see my reflection in the, the uh, key picture there. But you can also definitely see that it's not a shiny reflection. It's not glossy. No, it's not glossy. I'm using a VA panel normally. Uh, it's better. The ISGO gives me a better contrast on it. And I wish that I'd kind of gotten the uh, data color elite so that I could measure brightness and contrast levels. I don't have it, so can't test it right now. I think with their software, you can't do that stuff. But if you use, and I'm forgetting already, it's been so long since I've used this, there's an open software alternative that can make use of the data color spider sensor. Oh. The difference between those is the software. The The spider yes. is only, there's only one unit but it's bundled with a license key to different levels of software to unlock more functionality from the meter. Yeah, so back in the day, I just asked for the Pro because I didn't have anything that was worth testing with the Elite. We're into the we're not into the after show yet, but uh, things have already changed drastically. Obviously, we've switched to a five-up display. Brett is here now in unfamiliar surroundings. Yeah. But you know what? Your lighting and picture quality, pretty dang good. Be better than ever. He's Weird, in huh? his Apple reindoctrination together. I just, Once I just, a year, I just, he has to go there. Me and just went with it. Yeah. You well, wait. Where you put the macrame in? He yeah. said something about I I I unpacked my Mac display. Is that what he said? I've got my Mac. That, <laughs> that could be because a Mac display, the the camera quality would be atrocious. This is this is actually a laptop. Is it is it an Apple laptop? You, you couldn't bring a headset? Uh, actually, I do have one. But, you know, the room, it gives him that sort of robust sound that you're not going to get from a, a little headset. It's a nice mic. timber. What but part of the show are we in? Where we, where we make fun of the Mac guy yet? Are we, are we at that part? I was hoping we would be at that part. Like a we have, no, because I wasn't sure if you were going to be joining us or not. We, we did not talk about Apple at all. Since Brett is here, obviously we have to talk about Apple stuff. But the I you know I don't have I don't have the show notes. This, the display. <laughs> we're, well, we're done. I mean, we're just okay. to the the picks of the week part. We haven't we haven't done that yet. But the the display is an iPad or basically an iPhone 11 because it's an A13. I think it's an A15 actually, but yeah. I thought it was an A13. I think it's an A15, but yeah, look it up. But it definitely has the guts inside of it to be a lot more than it is. It should be a little bit more iPad-like, but it's actually a little bit dismal, unfortunately. It, well, it's... Yeah, as if we look at uh, The Verge, it has Not an iPhone Verge. 11 caliber processor. That would be the A13. Okay. So imagine, what if this was the 
Apple Silicon Mac prototype, and they're like, this thing sucks. This A13 Bionic is not a desktop class processor, regardless of whatever Geekbench says. Oh, please. All they do <laughs> is charge more for it and say that you're doing it wrong. And it has 64 gigs of internal memory, of which they're only using two, apparently. But it's it's just it's just a giant iPad without the touchscreen. What what is this? Why would you put 64 gigs of storage and then only enable two? Seems why is it in there at all? Why does it need an A11? Future expansion. Yeah. Once they figure out that addressing problem, it'll be there. Right. It's it's the A11 is needed to do processing on the miserable camera, which I saw somebody in our Discord posted a, a close up of the the camera element earlier, and is identical to an iPhone 11's camera. Are those super pipes or just really wacky cable management? I think there's just why these are cables. Yeah, they've disconnected something here. Oh, the panel. This is yeah. the camera. Yes. Power supply. There are coils. Display logic. I'm guessing. Yeah, you've got to have you got to have chokes. Yeah, they're serious too. And these are the I'm assuming the speakers, and then probably all of this is some like speaker chamber to make the incredible bass response from such a thin chassis. <laughs> well, I mean, it's got enough local memory in it. You could probably install Doom directly on the monitor and play it. Oh, on the dis- yeah, on the display. Except the display is more expensive than just buying an iMac. And yeah. depending on what you're plugging that display into, you're probably better off just getting the M1 iMac. Because the display is like fifteen or without the wheels. Crazy. Uh, I, I, yeah, we could. And then, well, you know what PT Barnum said. There's a sucker born every minute. Yep. I think the best thing that could happen at that display if somebody jailbreaks it and does something useful with it. Yeah, but would you want to use a computer that was powered by an A13? No, it's way too much money. It should if it would cost a lot less, it might that might be an interesting hacking platform. But yeah, if it was four ninety nine, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, and actually right. you can get it. You can turn it into a computer four ninety nine. How much does the how much is the equivalent five K monitor? The roughly equivalent one from LG, right? Oh, the Ultra so LG solo five K monitor. Yeah, yes, this is the same yeah. panel. It's that LG yeah. panel. It's very close. Oh. The only difference is, is there's a lighting okay, mist. Let's, let's Brett, mist every every it's week, so- every <laughs> week, know. Brett's like, well, it's, it's close. It's close. Okay, he's nitpicking. They make one. Ah, panel. He's funny. <laughs> they make one 5K panel at Lucky Gold Star. Yeah, it is Lucky Gold Star. And the, whether you have added quantum dots or just mm-hmm. have a straight LED backlight or however you want to implement the panel. <laughs> uh, I think that's what changes, but I think the actual <laughs> panel is the same. Correct. All right. How much does it cost? But How much does the panel cost? LG ultra fine 5k. I'm Googling. Oh, it's Everybody probably likes like it. Google live. Bucks. Let's go to LG's website for the official MSRP. It's twelve ninety nine. Now they don't really make this one anymore though. I don't think you can buy it. But. It's it's actually the same price as as the Mac or as the not a Mac panel. <laughs> They're missing a thirty five cent display driver, so yeah, they can't ship them. <laughs> and sadly, that's possibly correct. I, th- I think the power plug is removable on the uh, on the LG. Now, if we look at Apple displays, the new Studio Display starts at sixteen hundred. Ooh. 
for a 27 inch 5k i thought it was 13 but mm, and i have to say from from firsthand it's got outstanding camera and audio Mm. (laughs) yeah outstanding Mm -hmm. camera for 12.99 seven vibrant colors an entire damn computer with a 4.5k display that and the displays on these look fantastic so even if this is just if there was some way to make this just a monitor it is a beautiful monitor yeah apple tried that they were ugly as hell where's this connection i, th- I okay on the back there is an actual input for lightning your lightning so it's, it's a little round port there it's magnetic there's probably something there it is why are they trying to hide it the power connector that easily attaches via magnets. But they could have done this with their display. Why didn't they? Good it doesn't make any sense. This, this display makes no sense as a product. It's a weird mishmash of technologies. It doesn't make any sense. The fact it doesn't have a magnetic power. Your iMac has the magnetic um, connector, and the thing is like 11 millimeters thick. The display, I think, is thicker than this. and has. So a, you're saying it's classic Cupertino. Yeah, it's classic. It's like it's like classic Apple when Steve Jobs wasn't there, where it was like a mess, yeah. and there were way too many products and way too many SKUs and too many SKUs. Yeah, this the stuff was too close together, and price and performance differentiation was not good. And Tim Cook <laughs> is the master of like, what do we have a lot of? Let's yeah, make this really. iPhone SE out of like an iPhone six body and like an iPhone seven yeah. screen and like the so many, so many of these five K panels. So many of these five K panels left. What are we gonna do right. with them? Well, because you know, internally we decided that people don't need twenty seven inch Intel IMAX anymore. We've got all these five K panels laying around. <laughs> Picks of the week. And Josh, please take it away. These are um, what did I do? Oh, um, uh, <clears throat> yeah, spinning rust is not dead and it'll never die just because <laughs> the density is so great. And now you can get a pretty reasonable 16 terabyte spinning rust hard drive for $290. It's got 512 megs of cash. That's just ludicrous. That's that's so much density density no escaping that's for me density no that's destiny anyway uh yeah no this is you want a big data drive you want to have two of them and do them in yes mirror two at the same time it's everybody's dream everybody Rage zero yeah you should do death wish rage on these and just oh, you know watch the catastrophe terabytes that's quick 32 terabytes of fast drive yeah no that's crazy that's that's last, that's go ahead i was gonna i was gonna say last week i picked a 300 18 terabyte but it was external but you could always harvest it but this has yeah. enterprise features yes yes oh, it's written right on it it says that's what it says that's right yeah and we'll you know shiba makes a pretty decent drive we've i've had good luck with them all right, who is next? Yes. Uh, Jeremy. What? Do your pick, pick of the week. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so Humble's doing a stand with Ukraine bundle that is pretty damn good. 
Uh, I mean, Back for Blood, which I never picked up. Metro Exodus, which I did, sadly. Uh, finally get This War of Mine, The Long Dark. Uh, give away my copy of Endless Space 2. Kerbal Space Program. Expeditions Vikings looks interesting. Uh, but it goes beyond that. Like, there's uh, Pathfinder rule books. Uh, Warhammer Fantasy, the old, old two second gen. Uh, second edition one army of darkness comics um 3d printing stuff uh a shampoo a photo optimizer it's there's a lot of stuff in here arch hey system shock enhanced edition okay oh Oh, really wow yes if you don't have it i lost a lot of hours humanitarian relief in uh ukraine and I mean, the average is, you know, 50 bucks or so. Well, 56 bucks. Uh, That's a ton Canadian. of content that oh, I will never get and go through. You just need to do 40 or more, it. it looks like, for this one to get all the stuff. It's not. Yeah, Amer- Canadian, it's like 56 or so. Okay. Uh, but like, I, my brother's got a 3D printer, so off went all of the uh, 3D printing stuff to it. And he replied to me saying, you know, how can you give me a printout of a thatched hut if I don't have Trogdor? So, yeah, I went on the thing verse, and here's your Trogdor. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Uh, Kent. Oh, it has yaks, too, for some reason. I don't know. I do there. not. So, uh, as I was going to be filling in for Brett tonight, I decided to uh, take one of his uh, favorite picks for the week and go with an OLED TV that's on sale. Uh, these are at Newegg. Uh, it's an LG. It's a last gen, I believe, a 65 inch um, retailed for 2,700. It's on sale for 1746 plus $175 Visa gift card and a $100 Fanatics gift card. So, mm. I applaud your pick. Is it Igzo? It's yeah, better. It, it's organic. It's organic. So like, it's organic. It's organic. Yeah, grass-fed, organic mm-hmm. television. My pick this week is an update to a story we talked about last week, which was the mini Amiga 500, which isn't called the Amiga 500, and they don't even have the license to say Amiga. It's the A500 mini. But there was um, the first YouTuber who had their hands on it. They kind of teased it, but it wouldn't actually show the internals. Apparently, they'd been told not to. So 8-Bit Guy got his hands on one. And in his review, he actually does take it apart, show the internals. So if you look at... That is his current video on his channel, the 8-Bit Guy on YouTube. But uh, if we fast forward to that part of the review, and I will say the the finished version looks great. If you watch his video, the one we saw before was just a great You can touch that one. It's got... It's it looks like it's it's even aged plastic. It's this this off white, ever so slightly yellowed. It, right down every little line, every color seems authentic, except of course of the logo because they had to use their own logo, which goes into the logo in depth because they couldn't use this one. 
Anyway, uh, the inside of this unit. Where is it? Oh, and the mouse. The mouse is too small. Oh, wow. The original mouse is on the right. The new oh, one on the left. That, that is was, much smaller. Yeah. So the, he said the mouse feels great, but it is it is noticeably smaller than the original. Uh, just a wee bit. The controller felt good, though. He said it has good like heft to it. It isn't creaky. Nice buttons. So that was good. But essentially, this thing is is like a Raspberry Pi, and that's a nice cap. Yeah, there's um, a chip under a heatsink that he didn't remove, and then he pointed out that there's some caps that aren't populated. And there's a, a button here and like a fan header that wasn't used, and all sorts of things. So I'm not sure what the original purpose of this little board was, but uh, it looks Aww, like there's enough a cute room. Little there's enough room inside of this case. It looks like you could do something clever with it. Like that slot. Let me go back a few seconds here. If you, you see what I'm saying? Like if you look down here, yeah. there's just a blank there, but you could remove that and you could put an SD card reader right in here. I don't know why they didn't do that. It seems like they could have even included some kind of a cool looking like floppy esque micro SD to floppy adapter. I don't know. And it's $140. They could have made the keyboard functional. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it wouldn't be a great typing small. experience, but no, uh, no. Yeah. Well, th this company made the C64 Mini, and then they made the Maxi. So one would, and they said that if this sells, depending on how this sells, they will make a Maxi version of it. Yep. At that point, it would have a working keyboard, but I don't know. I just with cherry nice. switches, just because NRGBs, and just totally ruin the experience. Anyway, check out that video from the 8-Bit Guy if you want to learn more about the A500 and actually look at the teardown. And he goes into depth on actually like loading and playing the games, which is what this is all about. So if you just want something to play Amiga games on your TV and you're willing to pay $140 for it, though it is not available yet, it's being seeded to select reviewers, but it will not be on sale until like April, May in the U.S., it sounds like. Anyway, Brett, I know that you're just joining us kind of impromptu here on the road but do you have do you have any kind of pick to add i i would say definitely uh, come to seattle and experience the uh, the brew pubs in the area you should, people oh, should try okay. that that would be my pick today yeah having yeah, just no, recently experienced a couple of them. it's early there yet so you go right back to the uh yeah i mean i could finish up the podcast here and uh run back out again because it's only 20 of uh 29 you probably yeah. should all right, well, that was our show this evening. Thanks, everybody, for listening, watching, however you consume it. Uh, that's that's uh, your personal preference. And we will probably come back next week and do this again in some form with some, you know, group of people again. So until then, goodbye.